What in the Duck podcast is proud to be sponsored by Dream Machines of Texas. www.dreammachinesoftexas.com All your used motorcycle wants and needs all in one place at www.dreammachinesoftexas.com They have multiple locations with large inventory and get new bikes in every week. Knowledgeable staff with great service and financing and extended warranty options available. They also have a complete service garage so every bike has gone through and brought up to speed before you hit the road. I have bought more than a few bikes from Dream Machines over the years and I could not be more satisfied. I've also had friends from all over the country buy bikes from Dream Machines because they couldn't find a better deal anywhere. You can buy a bike and have it shipped to you anywhere in the U.S. Why buy a brand new bike with that brand new high price when you can get a like new bike with that dream deal you've been looking for? Go to www.dreammachinesoftexas.com and get a bike and get your ass on the road. Hey everybody, my name is Oliver Peck, and this is What in the Duck Podcast. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much to my good friends at Mio Tia's Mexican Restaurant for offering up this lovely space to be our home for broadcasting the What in the Duck Podcast. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Mio Tia's. Uh, it's a beautiful place. It's nice and comfortable. Lighting and sound is good. And, uh, you know, we'll be here. Every so often, whenever we can fit it into our schedule, to get this podcast on the air for you. What is What in the Duck podcast? Well, basically, it's just like every other podcast uh, with me as the guy doing the podcast. Plenty of podcasts out there. Um, so why not just throw a few more into the mix, is what I always say. More the merrier. So here we are. Um, basically, what we're going to do is we're just going to sit down, have some good positive conversations with a bunch of positive, like-minded people from all different areas and aspects of the world and, uh, you know, just kind of check in and uh, get more acquainted with things that we might not know about already. <clears throat> Got a couple of really good guests lined up. Um, so what do you expect from what in the duck podcast? Of course, you know, with me, you're going to get a little bit of things you may not know about what's going on, but basically we've got everything from motorcycles, skateboarding to vegan food to, you know, fitness, which is not, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm like Mr. Fitness, but I do know some people that are into it and, uh, you know, this whole thing started. They've been planning this for years, been trying to get this snowball kicked off the ledge and rolling downhill for a while. And it's just taken longer than expected um, due to the events of the last couple of years. We kind of got this stuff together and started getting the plan and getting the gear and getting the mindset in 2019. And then it just, the tree did just not bear fruit until now. So here we are getting it going. Um, little backstory. Years ago, I'm going to say in the 2005, 6, 7 era, uh, I had a radio show. The show was called Here's the Deal with Oliver Pecker. And it was on an internet radio station called Compound Radio. It was compoundradio.org. And my buddy Josh Lazy started it up and me and him went in on it and 
you know, it grew pretty quick and we had the ability to broadcast out of his house in Los Angeles, out of my house in Dallas, Texas. And we quickly had many shows. We had Dwayne Peters, pro skateboarder, had a show that was called Search and Destroy. A couple guys from Dallas, Matt the Cat and Steve Berg had a show called Country Jam Radio, which later went on to be the Country Jam Radio show on KHYI, uh, The Range. And then we had, you know, all kinds of shows about, oh, man, our good buddy Mike Davis had a show called um, Dub Side of the Moon, which is all about dub music, which at the time, man, I didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about. But it's, you know, apparently, you know, there's a wide range of dub music out there, and some of it is very interesting. But it basically, the way the whole thing started was there's like a whole dub version of Dark Side of the Moon record. And uh, it's very, very interesting music. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, he just spun out of control and went down the dub rabbit hole. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, Josh Lazy had a show on there, and Corey Parks had a show on there, and... A lot of people had shows, but the thing about it was, is it was much like the radio, except it was just on the internet. It was before the podcast really were going out and before there was very much streaming ability. So it was just live only. You would just log in on the website and just listen to whatever was happening live. There was no way to hear it later. It wasn't pre-recorded. Um, and so it was kind of just, it was thrown into the air, and you either heard it or you didn't. And uh, looking back on it, I wish there was a way to, that that would have been archived. Because a lot of those shows are really good, and a lot of the interviews are really good. And there was a short period of time, a couple months, where I had a good buddy of mine named Andy Williams that uh, was staying at my house. And uh, his nickname was Skittles, and my nickname was The Breeze. And so we changed the name of the show for a couple months from Here's the Deal to, you know, Skittles and the Breeze. So it was like the Skittles and the Breeze morning show. And we did it, we did it like five days a week for a few months. And, uh, you know, we talked about whatever was going on in the world. We made fun of shit. We were offensive. We were crude. We played music that we probably weren't allowed to just play. And it just went out and... It was, you know, total kind of pirate radio kind of underground, and it was cool. And uh, something I was wanting to get back into for a long time, and then the podcast kind of thing came up, and a lot of my friends had podcasts and people that I knew about in different areas of expertise and different, you know, different kind of trades had different podcasts about everything. I'm kind of a busy guy traveling around, so it's hard to get it nailed down. But... um so we had the here's the deal had the here's the deal radio show, and it was uh, my dream was to have it to be a call in show where you could call in and ask me questions, and I would you know because I had the answer to everything, anything that you wanted to know or any problem you had, I had the solution, I had the answer, I had it all, anything you needed, I was here for you. So I wanted this call in show, but I could not get the technology wired up to our system that would allow quality audio from a phone call to come in and have us be able to do it live. You know, we just didn't have that high tech equipment enough at the time we were working on, you know, 
we are not computer people. Luckily, I got some computer people here helping me with this. But instead of having the call-in availability, I had, we just use Instant Messenger. And I would have my laptop and we'd be talking and people could IM during the show and it was live and I would say, oh, hey, Jenny from Oklahoma wants to know blah, 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 or wants to hear this song or wants to know about this or wants to know about that or commenting on something we just said. And I could chat back and forth through instant message and then me and whoever my guest was could also talk about, you know, whatever. And it was kind of an interactive way. And we had, you know, got up to a lot of listeners and it was pretty cool. Um, and then right about the time that we kind of got the, the technology under control and got people to help us and figured out how to do the call in stuff, uh, for many reasons that we don't want to go into the compound radio just went out. It went under, it burned to the ground. The computer got thrown out the window, literally. And, uh, you know, meltdowns were had and, you know, we just, it just disbanded. And it was also about the time that um, we had gained, I guess, just enough popularity and just enough listener base and just enough momentum for it to start to get some traction and for it start to get you know, people that are interested in sponsoring it and people that are interested in trying to move us over to the newly founded, like, serious radio platform. And, you know, some of us that were involved were kind of too punk rock or too anti-establishment to, to go along that road. And so the whole thing just withered away into the dust, into the, you know, into the past. And just recently... um Actually, not only recently, but over the course of the last 10 years, um, every once in a while, somebody, I'll see somebody or they'll get tattooed or they'll come to the shop and like, oh man, I used to listen to your show in the morning. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy, you know, because you don't think about that many people remembering it. But, you know, usually these people that bring it up are usually pretty old because it was, like I said, 2000 five, six, seven era when we were doing it. And, um, you know, without trying to do too much heavy math, that was like, I don't know, how long ago was that? Over 10 years ago? Jeez, man, it's like 12, 13, 14 years ago. That's crazy. So, you know, a 19-year-old kid today ha has no clue what was going on with compoundradio.org. Man, we had cool merch. We had cool stickers. We had cool banners. We wheat pasted shit all over LA and Dallas. And, uh, you know, it was this whole, you know, it was pretty cool. Had a lot of fun. And the last year that we were doing Compound Radio, I went on, I was going on Warp Tour and we uh, figured out a way that I could broadcast live from Warp Tour every morning. Um, I think it was Guitar Center had like a, a bus that was on Warp Tour that had like an artist lounge in their big tour bus. And it was the, basically the only place on Warp Tour that had Wi-Fi. So people could go on this Guitar Center bus and they could do whatever they do. They had some laptops in there and they had some little lounge and uh, 
you could get Wi-Fi. And a lot of places in Warp Tour, you know, it's a parking lot in the middle of nowhere at a stadium or somewhere, and there's like no cell service, no nothing, this and that. So it's it was kind of a great thing that, you know, Guitar Center offered to the people on the tour. And at the beginning of the tour, I reached out to them, and they had agreed to let me go on there every morning as soon as we set up and have the place for like an hour before it opened because – you know, we land in the parking lot at Warp Tour at like six, seven in the morning, and then it takes like hours for them to build the stages and set everything up, and all the merch people are setting up, and it's like a whole world. Eight hundred employees going crazy getting Warp Tour set up every single morning, and uh, that's the really the most interesting part about being on Warp Tour. It's like it's the circus, and uh, every morning you hit the parking lot. And it's just an empty parking lot in who knows where. And uh, hundreds of people just scramble and go to work. And, you know, 80 semi-trucks start unloading stages. And it all goes up. And then by 11 a.m., it's open to the public. And 20,000 kids roll in. And they have all these concerts all day. And then at 10 p.m., they're tearing everything down. And at 1 in the morning, those trucks are on the road. It's pretty wild. So I was going in there every morning to the thing and setting up live. And, man, being on Warp Tour, it was fucking crazy because there's 100 bands or 60 bands or 80 bands, depending on the day and the tour. And, you know, I would just every day I would just get a different band or a different band member from somebody to come in and be the guest on the show. And, uh, you know, that three months was probably like the jamminess you know, the, the most action that, um, I ever got on the here's the deal radio show, just because when I was doing it out of my house, a lot of mornings, it was just be me, my, myself, you know, talking shit to people and, you know, giving bogus movie reviews and, you know, making fun of whoever, you know, did whatever fucked up shit that week in the media and the news and, And I also had a very interesting listening base because it was early in the morning on the weekdays. And uh, a lot of those days, I back then, I was like staying up late every night. You know, a lot of late time tattooing, a lot of late night partying and whatnot. So I would be out of my mind, asleep or been up all night or chugging rock stars to keep it going. And and then as soon as the show was over at 9 a.m., I would go to sleep. And then, so it was like... Now I go to bed, take a nap, then wake up and be a, go to the tattoo shop to go tattoo. So it was hard to get a lot of people to come to my house early in the morning back then. So every once in a while I had some guests, but when I was on the Warp Tour, it was like a guest every single day. You know, it was like sometimes it was bands that I was friends with on the tour that I liked. Sometimes it was, you know, bands that I had never heard of, didn't know anything about their music. So it was like... You know, most of it was just talking about what a crazy life it is being on Warp Tour. Um, a lot of bands that have been on Warp Tour many times that are into it, and then a lot of brand new bands that were like aw- awestruck and couldn't believe that they were there. And it was, uh... and then, <clears throat> like I said, it just fizzled out. Things went on, life got busy. And uh, once the podcast thing kind of picked up, I started listening to a few over the last couple of years. And I was like, man, 
kind of interested in it, and I went back and forth on, man, is it worth it? There's so many already. But anyway, here we are. And um, now the name of the show is What in the Duck? Obviously, this is not a PG show. Nothing in my life is very PG, so it's at least the name of the show is PG. I just wanted to call it What in the Fuck? Because, you know, you know, pretty much 20 times a day something happens where you're just like, what in the fuck? But, uh, you know, we just put a little D instead of an F, and we got a, you know, a nice little PG-sounding name to the show. But do not be fooled. Uh, nothing PG going on here. So far, people are involved. They're like, can we cuss on this thing? I'm like, can you not? Can you, can you, can anybody I know have a conversation without cussing? Not, probably not. So anyway, get ready for that. A couple things we got going. Like I said earlier, we're going to have tattoo artists and motorcycle builders and motorcycle riders and skateboarders and who knows what. Everybody asks me, what's the, sh- what's the podcast going to be about? I'm like, who knows what it's going to be about? It's going to be about whatever's happening that day with whatever guest is on here. Um, one of the things I'm going to do every week or every month or every two weeks or ever often we do this thing, I'm going to, you know, a little throwback to the here's the deal. I'm going to, like, let people email me in, and I'm going to ring up a few emails each time and answer some questions and talk about whatever people want to talk about. Um so if you want to email, you can send me send it over. Send all your questions over to what in the duck podcast at gmail.com. That's what in the duck podcast at gmail.com. Just type it in, write some dumb shit down, write a serious question down. You want to go deep, you want to go light, whatever you want. I might not answer it. But if I do, and I talk about your question on the air, we are gonna Get your uh, your info, your name, your address, um, so we can come over to your house and throw a party. Actually, we're just going to put something in the mail and send it to you. But you know all these people, they like, send us your address. And like, what are you going to come These How many people out there in the world that you don't know have your address? What if they just show up? Sketchy shit goes down on Craigslist and Amazon and all these things. People know where you live. People know what you bought. People know where to come get it. So, like I said, send me your name and address. We'll know where you live. And I can send you some goodies. We're going to print up some merch. The guys over at Anchor Screen Printing are going to print up some merch for uh, What in the Duck podcast. We're going to have some shirts and some whatnot. Um, you know, might throw in some cheap thrill stuff, some Elm Street tattoo stuff, whatever. We're going to send you a little swag bag. Uh if your question, if your email uh, has a good enough question to make it onto the air. I don't even know if we call it the air anymore. But uh, back in the old radio days, <laughs> used to say on the air. Now I don't even think it's in the air. What is it? I mean, it's on the, it's in the net, in the web. But one thing it's not going to be, it's not going to be in the metaverse. We're staying off the metaverse. I've heard a lot about the metaverse. And uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's a place I don't think there's a place for me in the metaverse. 
I mean, I'm pretty, I'm trying not to be as old fashioned as I, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of old fashioned, but here I am, new hip and jive on the internet with a podcast. But, uh, man, who knows? If we end up in the metaverse, who knows what's going to happen on that thing? I mean, I'll tell you what's going to happen on the metaverse. I know right now, nothing is going to happen. Nothing will actually happen. Things will virtually happen, but nothing's going to actually happen. Um, and I just can't grasp the concept of participating in nothing happening. Because you're not really participating. You're just sitting there. It's basically like people don't dream enough while they're asleep. Now they want to dream while they're awake. Like, you know, you could do stuff and you could go somewhere and you could be a part of something and you could witness things actually happen. But instead, you could sit still with some goggles on and just experience things that aren't actually happening. Uh, which just seems completely insane to me. Um, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people that that are get into this thing, <laughs> and it's very troubling for the uh, for people like me. The future is very troubling. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to this metaverse and a lot of people are excited about the metaverse and a lot of people are like, you know, I don't, maybe people are already on the metaverse. I don't know. I mean, I just heard yesterday, um, might be late to the game, but I heard yesterday that Facebook has actually changed its name. Is this correct? I think. So nowadays when somebody says on Facebook, there's not a Facebook. Is that a, th is that a fact? We don't know. I heard, anyway, I could be totally wrong. I could, I could just be, uh, I could be operating on false information right now, to tell you the truth, because I am not that well informed. But um, like I said, I heard that Facebook changed its name to maybe just change it to Meta, um, which is the Metaverse, which they're promoting the Metaverse. And there's people that want to have products on the Metaverse. And uh, so instead of going to work like most people have to do and, and earning money that actually is in their pocket. Um, now people, when they go to work, they're going to get money that's not in their pocket. They're just going to get money that exists somewhere in the meta or in the, in the verse or in the internet or in the, in the whatever. And then they're going to, instead of going to do something, instead of going somewhere and buying something, they're just going to not go anywhere and they're going to be in the metaverse and they're going to buy things that don't really exist. You know, they're going to, instead of going to a tattoo shop and buying a tattoo and having it tattooed on their arm, they're just going to sit still, go nowhere, and watch their fake self go get a tattoo in a, in, in a fake tattoo shop and get a digital image put on their digital avatar self. And then their digital self is going to walk around and you're going to be able to watch yourself walk around with this digital tattoo on your arm. But the, the fucked up part about it is, here's the fucked up part about that idea. I mean, hey, yeah, it's going to be cool. But the fucked up part about it is, is while you're sitting there watching your fake self walk around, do all these fake things that don't really happen and don't really exist, it's going to cost you real money. 
It's going to cost you the money from the real world that you had to go to work and make. So you're going to go to the real world or something. I mean, nowadays people don't even go to the real world and work. Most people just sit at home and work. Um, some people just sit here and talk on a microphone and bullshit. Uh, is this a job? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm doing it. But, uh, yeah, man, people are going to do this. People are going to take their real money that they don't even ever get real money. It just gets transferred, you know, just, it just, you go to your job and your job just pushes a button and your money sends to your bank and then it's in your bank and then you can have it on your phone and you can have your little digital Apple Pay and then you can just go in a metaverse and spend all that money on things that don't exist. Pretty exciting times. I myself... I'm going to buy actual things that I can hold and ride around on, mainly motorcycles. But uh, like I said, exciting times ahead. It's going to be very interesting. But I, like a lot of others, feel like this is going to be detrimental. Uh, what's the word? Detrimental to the uh, to the younger generation trying to adapt into growing up and adapt in adulthood and adapt into uh, society. I think this is going to be, <sighs> you know, it's like social media is basically making people less social. So I feel like social media needs a new name. I think I feel like it's anti-social media. And I'm sure some a lot of people have said that in the past, but man, it's just... Uh, I'm not even sure how we got wound up on this topic or how we went down this rabbit hole. But basically, what just happened in the last few minutes is basically what's going to continue to keep happening on What in the Duck podcast. Uh, who knows what it'll be next time, and who knows what guest it'll be, and who knows what rabbit hole we can spin them down, or what rabbit hole they will spin us down. But basically, we're just going to talk shit. We're going to have fun. We're going to... uh we're going to ponder the future and, you know, make guesstimations on how fucked up the world's going to be. Basically, it's, uh, you know, basically my plan. And I feel like, uh, I feel like we're going to be 100% accurate every single time. I feel like we, we have, I was going to say I have my finger on the pulse, but I do not. There's one thing I've learned after, uh, after 40 years old. I'm 50 years old now. And when I was, you know, I slowly noticed in my early 40s that I no longer had my finger on the pulse of what the fuck was going on in the world. Because every week it's just like something, you know, somebody tells me about something or I overhear something and I have no clue what's going on. I got no clue about what the newest trend is I have no clue about what the latest, you know, TV shows or pop stars or, you know, I'm, I'm late to the game on a lot of things being an old fuck. And, uh, so I feel like I'm already pigeonholing myself out of a younger generation of audience, but maybe not, maybe not. We will see. Um, you never one thing I have learned, you never know what's going to happen. Um, because shit 
that's happening now, I would have never guessed. You know, I see all these, I see all these memes nowadays talking about like a bunch of old people. You can tell old people make the memes because they reference things that only I know about, you know, but they, uh, you know, one of my favorite stream of memes that's going around lately is uh, talking about how in the 80s, everybody thought by 2020, we were going to have flying cars, right? So there's all these flying car memes. And uh, it's like, oh, 2020, we'll have flying cars. You know, people in the 80s say this. And then it shows like the year 2022 and then something that is actually happening, which is like, totally fucked and backwards and you know just we are not gonna have a flying car anytime soon at this rate you know in in the 80s everybody had this immense hope for the future and the rise of technology and how this technology is gonna like take us to new limits and now this technology is taking us to sit in the dark by ourselves and watch a fake cartoon walk around and do fake things um, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you're, you're in your fake self can get a flying car. Maybe the metaverse is finally going to deliver us this flying car. And maybe while you're in your little goggles flying around in that car will be almost as good as actually flying around in the car. I don't know. Um, I did put on some VR goggles one time and it's like, oh my God, it's amazing. You got to put, and I put them on. And I'm sure they've advanced since then. But it's just like a bunch of like little, it was a graphic. It did not look real. It was like, look like old 80s video game line graphics, but you could look around and see what was moving or whatever. Apparently now they have it where it looks real. Uh, and I just heard the other day, my buddy talking about VR porn and watching porn in his goggles. And he's like, oh man, it's great, dude. You watch, you can, you know, you're watching porn in the goggles and you can, you can like look down and see the girl, you know, doing whatever. But then you can also like look over here and be like, ooh, what kind of furniture they have in the room? And you can like look around the whole room. And then you can look back down and be like, ooh, hey, big titties, you know. But uh, apparently he says it's great. Um, <laughs> I'm not, pro I'm probably not going to go that route. Um, as the dude said, you know, he said, he says, you know, I still, something to the effect of like Jackie Treehorn says, you know, the, you know, digital is the way of the future or whatever. And, uh, the dude says, well, I still masturbate manually, you know, and Jackie Treehorn is like, yeah, of course you do. Um, you know, the old school way, you don't. I don't know. I can look around my own room and see what kind of furniture there is. But anyway, um, what's next? We will see here on What in the Duck podcast. What in the Duck podcast is proud to be sponsored by Legacy Ink, the finest in tattoo pigments. I have been using this ink exclusively for over 20 years myself. It has been recently rebranded and marketed, but it has been the same recipe for decades. Real, hand-mixed tattoo pigments that heal great and last. People always comment on the yellow that I use and the yellow tattooed on me. My favorite, the Mayan yellow. I have seen countless 
20-plus-year-old tattoos with the colors still vivid. Don't fuck around with all these newfangled companies with their watered-down baloney. Get the tried, true, and tested good shit. You can find them on Instagram at Legacy Pigments or email Ashley today to place an order at LegacyArtSupplies at gmail.com. Tell them Oliver sent you and receive a special discount. Don't just do tattoos. Be a part of a legacy. All right, guys, let's get into some of these email questions for this episode. And uh, that's how it's going to work every episode. We're going to go through the Gmail at the what in the duck podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, send them on in. I've got a, a stack to go through now, but I'm going to answer a few for this first little bit and, uh, you know, see what kind of quandaries people have. Right off the bat, we've got Chris Briggs. Chris Briggs, welcome to What in the Duck. You made it. You got a quick, short, easy question, and uh, it'll be a good little icebreaker. I will say this is probably the most commonly asked question, and I generally uh, brush this situation off because there's already been so much chatter about it in my in my little whatever corner of the world here or whatever the ether collectively people always want to know people always have to know people always wonder people always ask people always try to grab it but it's about the toothpick and uh there is a video pretty sure it's on youtube pretty sure it's available to everyone on the internet and uh you know, we'll probably get, you know what we should do? We should put a little link to that YouTube video if we can find it. That way, at the end of this whole podcast thing, if you make it to the end, you can uh, follow all the different links that we're going to have every episode, you know, and uh, you can learn the full in-depth story about the toothpick. But as for now, Chris Biggs wants to know. I don't know where he's from because he doesn't say. He just says Chris Biggs and that's it. He says, how many toothpicks do you chew in a day, question mark, and are they flavored at least? All right, I'm going to answer it uh, as short as I can, which sometimes is hard for me. I just, anyway, toothpicks. Um, Toothpicks are commonly used. I would say most commonly used to get things out of your teeth, which is a very brief interaction with the toothpick. You know, most people get a toothpick after a meal, and their their relationship with that toothpick lasts a, a minute amount of seconds. But other than that, um, I would say the second most commonly known relationship with the toothpick is people that are trying to quit smoking. And uh, the oral fixation, as it would be, you know, not only just the nicotine, um, but the habit of having something and twiddling with something or moving something. You know, once you get off of the breaking a habit is about, you know, every habit is linked to something. You know, obviously you're smoking cigarettes, you're getting addicted to the nicotine, you're, you got the motion, you got all the things. So once you break away from the nicotine and you're struggling with the nicotine, you still have this urge and you know, this thing, you're used to having it. So it's like many faceted. And so a lot of people 
try a toothpick for a while. A lot of people get, you know, mint flavored toothpicks. A lot of people get all kinds of things that think that they can like entertain their mouth with and distract them from the fact that they don't have a cigarette. Um, I myself never smoke cigarettes. In fact, interesting tidnote about myself is I've never smoked a single cigarette in my entire life. Both my parents smoked as a child and I hated it and I fought with them and I battled with them. And I, you know, I would, as a child, I remember like my mom would leave her purse by the couch and she'd go into the kitchen. I would run in there and I would open the purse and I would grab the pack of cigarettes and she would scream and she would chase me and I'd run around the house and then she'd chase me in the bathroom and I'd throw them in the toilet. And she would get pissed. And she would scream. And she's like, you're wasting money. I'm like, you're wasting money, you know. And she's like, she'd get mad at me. And I would always say, well, she'd try to, you know, there was no punishment for this infraction. Because um, if I was to get punished for such a thing, I would tell grandma what I was getting punished for. And then grandma would be mad because my mom was smoking and she had already numerous times, you know, promised to not smoke anymore. So she was already under an infraction herself. So basically, finally, she quit smoking. And it's, it was great. And But my father uh, never quit smoking his whole life. Smoked his whole life. Uh, it was a major detriment to his health. Um Definitely contributed to his demise. Um, he had a heart attack and another heart attack and had another heart attack. And uh, he finally passed away, but he never quit smoking. Some people just say, fuck it. Some people say, if I can't have this, I don't want to live. And uh, I'm not saying that the cigarette was the only contributing factor to the heart attack, but cigarettes definitely don't help your health, and that's something we all know. But anyway, back to the story. I never smoked, but I did have... A very heavy addiction to chewing gum. I chewed gum from my earliest memories as a child. And I would hoard gum and hide gum because my mom would let me have gum. But then she would take the gum away from me and make me spit it out. And take it away from me at dinner time. And take it away from me at bedtime. But I started having hidden stashes of gum. Um, which also led to a life of crime, believe it or not. Um, my earliest, you know, my earliest criminal activities was stealing gum because as a small child, your mom would only buy you set amount of gum and then your mom would basically have an inventory of how much gum you had. So you buy a pack of gum, you got six, eight, whatever pieces. And uh, she knew that. So she would give you one and then take it away when it was when you time to get rid of it. And so I was like, man, and as a small child, you don't have money, you don't have the means. You know, I'd sneak off and I'd go steal gum and then I'd have gum and I'd hide it under the bed. So that way when my mom came at night and took the gum away from me, I would have more gum. Uh, and I could get some gum and chew it and I chewed gum in my sleep pretty much my whole, my whole life. And finally, after some amount of time, my mom would come in in the morning to wake me up and I would still have gum in my mouth. And she'd, you know... So she finally gave up, and I just chewed gum. But, like I said, that led to a life of crime. I uh, have started stealing gum, and it was easy, and I got away with it. So then, whatever else you need. I mean, I've been well-versed. I've been stealing gum for years. I'm good at this shit. 
you know, and they always say, like, stick with what you're good at, kid. And so, you know, I ended up being good at stealing shit for a while. And it, and see, this is what I'm talking about. Try to answer the question short, but man, it just spirals out of control. But anyway, you know, you try to think of a story you're going to tell. And like, I don't know a story to tell. We'll just talk about anything. And guess what? Here it comes. So Chris Biggs, you're getting your money's worth out of this question. Let me tell you. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Cause anyway, this is interesting. Uh, not only is this story about, you know, trying to quit, but uh, there's a lot of things I've tried to quit in my life and a lot of things I've successfully quit. But one of the hardest things was quitting stealing, obviously. And I mean, hard, you know, strange to think of, but um, took me many years to just get over the fact of like not stealing things. Because as a young kid, I stole, you know, and I just, I got damn bubblegum you know who knows you never know what's going to set you off and derail your train and send you down the wrong way you know what i mean and uh anyway i was addicted to chewing gum and i chewed gum forever i chewed gum for years i had gum in my mouth at all times you know and there'd be times at school where they're like you can't have gum you can't chew gum in class but i had gum in my mouth and it was hidden and I was, you know, either barely chew on it or I'll just sit it there. Um, and then if a if a teacher caught me with it and took it out of my mouth, uh, I found it hard to be able to to sit there without the gum in my mouth. You know, something about whatever. Everybody's got some sort of mental disability. Everybody's got some sort of debilitating problem or physical, emotional, whatever it is. Me, I just had to have, you know, you know, whatever kind of safety blanket is you need or whatever. But um, for me, it was the gum. There was times where I'd have my gum in my one side of my mouth and I'd just stick it up under my teeth and then I would eat my dinner with the other side of my mouth. Um, and I never really got rid of the gum. It's the strange thing. I just put a piece of gum in my mouth and it stayed there basically forever. But as you chew gum, obviously the flavor goes away and it slowly starts to diminish. And most people would say, oh, this gum is done. I'm going to spit it out and get a new piece. Well, not me. I just add to it. Just put another piece in, add to the other piece of gum and then chew that forever until its flavor is gone and diminishes into almost nothing. And then you add another piece. So um, I feel like I maybe chewed the same piece of gum basically with, you know, continuing to add to it for decades but uh i chewed gum until my 20s and started having problems my jaw my jaw hurt teeth hurt um you know i'd wake up in the morning with my jaw hurting just because i've you know mindlessly chewing in my sleep came to the point where i was like i gotta get off the gum i gotta quit it i gotta quit and uh you know i voiced this to a few people and you know, somebody came up with this amazing, why don't you try the toothpick? And I was like, all right, try a toothpick. So I did. And uh, it was a struggle and it was hard, but it the transition happened pretty quick and got a toothpick and chewed on it a little bit and got some minty ones and some cinnamon ones and some tea tree ones and blah, 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 and mixed it up, got wild, you know, but then I quickly became the guy that just always had a toothpick. 
uh, and the first couple, you know, however long went by, I was going through quite a few toothpicks a day. And then as time went on, I chewed on it less and chewed on it less, but it's still there. Um, at this point, I've had a toothpick in my mouth for decades. I think at this point, I've been on the toothpick longer than I was on the gum. Um, you know, this is one of those times that I wish I was like one of those people that had a diary and wrote everything down. Because then I could be like, ooh, it was a Tuesday afternoon, March 8th, 1991. And I said, that's it. No more gum for me. But I don't know that date. I have no, no, no clue when that is. But uh, I just know I was on gum for a long time. I've been off gum for a long time. I've been on the toothpick for a long time. And now I've got to the point where I, uh, I don't chew the toothpick. It just sits here. It just chills. I can talk. I can do whatever. Um, and a lot of people, you know, once I was on a television show, I got a lot of, you know, unwarranted uh, advice and uh, suggestions and complaints from numerous people around the globe that I had no care to hear from about, oh, you need to take that toothpick out of your mouth. You look like an idiot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because I care. You know, anyway, and they're like, oh, you need to take that toothpick out of your mouth. It's making you list. I'm like, no, no, no. Had the list long before the toothpick. So if anything, the toothpick's kind of been like, oh, he's just talking with the list because he's got a toothpick in, not because he's, you know, totally fucked up. Uh, had the list my whole life. Um, so maybe if, you know, the toothpick doubles is like a cover. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I don't chew the toothpick. It just sits here. So the question that, back to the original question, uh, Chris Biggs says, how many toothpicks do you chew in a day? Well, at the beginning, many, many years ago, it was many toothpicks a day. Now, um, this one is two days old so far. Um, and the reason that I have this one from two days ago is because the two days ago, I lost, my toothpick fell out of my mouth at the gas station when I was putting gas in the van and it fell onto the ground in a kind of place where you're like, yep, that one's dead. You know what I mean? If I'm talking right now and a toothpick falls out on this table, I'm like, ah, right back in. No, no problem. It falls down. Usually I catch it or it falls on my shirt or if I'm sitting there and uh, I can, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I've had toothpicks last as long as like three weeks, a little longer. Um, I've had toothpicks last one minute. Um, you know, most common reasons for losing a toothpick um, is the yawn. The yawn is what gets it. You know, the yawn is unexpected. And the yawn is, uh, you're not prepared for the yawn. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, kind of just, all of a sudden you're just, <gasps> and then you just relax and that toothpick is out. Um, a lot of people think it would be the sneeze. The sneeze you see coming. You know you're going to sneeze at least a little bit before the sneeze. A lot of times you you anticipate the sneeze in such a way that you have you stare into the light and you're like you're hoping for that sneeze cuz nothing worse than almost sneeze and then no sneeze. That's the worst. Um so when I sneeze I grip it and it's tight and and I save it. 
Not saying that I haven't ever lost a toothpick during a sneeze, but the most common reason for the loss is the yawn. Um, but man, without the toothpick, I think about being back in school when the teacher would take the gum out of my mouth and I just couldn't take it, couldn't concentrate. No clue what happened to the rest of the class. All I'm thinking about is, God damn it, when's she going to quit looking at me long enough that I can sneak this piece of gum out of my pocket and get it back into my mouth? Um, but same with the toothpick, and I just got to have it. Um, I guess the most relatable thing would be that I would think that most people at some point in their life have that feeling when you leave the house and you forgot your keys. And so you check your pocket real fast. And you're like, oh, I got them. Or I don't got them. I got to go back in and get them. And uh, that feeling, that quick second of like where you like feel like you forgot something, that's the feeling I have when I don't have a toothpick in my mouth. You know, I'm just like, Try to think, try to not think about it. There's been situations like I'm riding a motorcycle. Gust of wind takes a toothpick. And so I'm riding and I don't have a toothpick. And I'm just like, man, all right. I can make it to the next stop. A few minutes go by, it's like, I cannot make it to the next stop. So I have two choices. I pull over, get a toothpick. Or I'm usually got one readily available sometimes i have it stuck in the mesh of my cap sometimes i have it in my shirt pocket sometimes it's on the, it's cold out and it's on the inner pocket of a jacket that's zipped up and i'm wearing gloves and so we'll be riding and i'll be like god damn it so i'll be like taking a glove off and holding on one hand and trying to unzip my jacket and trying to reach in and i'm swerving all over the road and my girlfriend's riding next to me and she pulls up next to me and looks at me like i'm an idiot and like shaking her head and then then she realizes what's going on oh she's gotta find a toothpick um, so I've definitely risked life and limb, almost crashing a motorcycle just to try to dig a toothpick out of a deep inner pocket of a zipped up winter coat doing 80 miles an hour on the freeway. Um, I do take the toothpick out when I eat, I take it out, put it behind my ear, stick it in my hat, put it in my pocket, put it in my shirt pocket or tuck it in my little buttonhole or whatever the case. Um, but I do keep it in when I sleep. If it falls out of my sleep, I wake up and I have to find it. Usually it's just sitting right there on the pillow next to me. Uh, sometimes I shuffle around and can't find it, stuck in my hair or whatever, and I have to get up and go get a new one or whatever in the case of the middle of the night. But I just can't sleep without it. And I've been, it's been the same since the day I started. It's been 20 plus years, who knows? Um, and when me and uh, my girlfriend Andre first got together, the first couple times that we were stayed together in in the bed, I'd wake up. I woke up and my toothpick was gone. And I looked all over, picked up the pillow, stood up, and I damn, I had to go get a toothpick. And then the next night, the same thing happened. And I'm like, man, I haven't lost a toothpick in years. What is going on here? Now I've lost two toothpicks, two nights in a row, losing my mind. Third night, toothpick's gone. And I'm shut. And I'm like, that's it. Where's this? And I'm taking a pillowcase inside and out, lifting up the covers. I'm going, and she like wakes up and's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm losing my mind. I'm trying to hold it together because this is a new relationship. And you try to hide as much crazy as you can at the beginning of a relationship. But I'm just like, I got to find this damn toothpick. It's the middle of the night. 
we're both butt naked. You know, I'm like, where is the toothpick? And she's like, oh, you're looking for the toothpick? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, I took it out of your mouth. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I was, I was worried. You, you, you fell asleep with it. I'm like, that was not an accident. She's like, I thought that, you know, she's, she thought she was saving me from a choking hazard. And I'm like, trust me, I'm, I, I am a choking hazard. Um, so I uh, got to the bottom of that real quick. I was like, so last night and the night before. So anyway, solved that, nipped that in the bud. Now she leaves, you know, now she's, she's fully on board uh, with the toothpick program and uh, many other craziness problems I have. Luckily for me, she also is insane and has a lunch, bunch of little, uh, you know, problems like we all have. And uh, we work it out and it works good. Um, on to the second part of Chris Big's question. Are they flavored at least? Well, my most common answer to people like, hey, is that flavored? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's tree flavored. Um, this one right here, it is wood. It does taste like wood of some sort. Um, but I do use mint toothpicks, tea tree toothpicks, cinnamon toothpicks. But the problem, if you know, if you're going to get a cinnamon toothpick, it's going to be, it's good. might be hot, spicy. Some of the extra spicy, hot. It's too but the problem with that is you can enjoy that for a minute. But a cinnamon toothpick is not a long-term commitment. If you just sit that cinnamon toothpick right here and don't you want to let it just sit in the corner of your mouth, it fucks you up. I've had a little, like, you get a little sore, you get a little blister, you, I mean, you get burnt, you know, you get, it, it fucks with you. So, for my usual everyday, all day long toothpick, it's just standard, uh, ever so slightly tea tree treated toothpicks. The flavor doesn't last very long, which is not, I'm not in it for the flavor, I'm in it for the, I'm in it for the need. It's just got to sit there. And, um... I was going to answer this question short, but I did not. Um, but if you if you still feel like you need more toothpick information, like I said, there is a uh, a YouTube video that's about the toothpick where I can't even remember what happened or why the toothpick. It might be part of one of the Ink Master videos or something, but uh, there's definitely an interview about the toothpick somewhere on YouTube. We will find it. We will get it to you. For those of those, those so many of you that really need to know what's going on with the toothpick, uh, it'll be there. But um, you know, be careful what you start because you might get hooked on it. So you know, I I'm not really I don't have a problem being hooked on the toothpick because there's a lot worse things that could be hooked on. Um, you know, I haven't drank in 30 years. Uh. I used to have a drug problem, alcohol problem when I was younger. And, you know, if now I have to deal with this a toothpick, I think I'll, I think it's a pretty good thing. Um, but it also is just kind of, it's one of those things that became, a, a, you know, an identifying marker as well. You know, people know me as the guy with the toothpick. I'm not the only guy with the toothpick. There's lots of guys with the toothpick. Um, and there's a lot of characters, movie characters that are toothpick guy. But, uh, I just wonder if there's anyone else who's been on the as consistent and ongoing as long as I have with the toothpick. 
Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? If you got any other long-term uh, two-pick holders out there, you can shoot them to me as well. Maybe we'll maybe we'll try to get some of them on. Maybe we we'll try to get another toothpick guy on here. We can compare what got them on the toothpick or not. Um, all right, Chris. Thank you for your question. Uh, I instantly chose that question just because it was the shortest, simplest question, uh, which uh, seemingly seemed to drag out. Uh, anyway, I'm going to do another one. See, uh, that one went so long. We might, I was going to do like 20 or 30 questions, but I might have to, I might have to cut it down a little bit to like two if I'm going to ramble this long. Um, the other one, what do we want? What do we want? We got a couple to choose from. We got, uh, uh, oh, here's a, here's a quick question I can answer real quick. And I'm probably not going to pronounce the name correctly, but it's spelled C-H-A-R-V-A-E, Chavay, C-H-A-R-V-A-E. If I'm going to say it just the way it looks like it's spelled, it's Char-They. Ah, Chavay. Uh, you'd think with a name like Chavay, you would have like an, a last name like fucking, I don't know, like... What do you think? Chavez. Uh, something exotic, at least. But nope, it's Thompson. Chavez Thompson. This person does tell me where he's from, and he's from New Zealand. His question is, hello, Oliver. I just watched your post about what in the duck, and I was wondering, will the show be broadcast here in New Zealand? Well, guess what? Chavez, you're in luck. This show is on the internet. Um, and unless you're in like North Korea or a few other places, then you have access to the internet. Last I heard, New Zealand was part of the modern world and they do have the internet. So you will be able to get on air. And if you're listening to me, you've already done it. So this, this is the fucked up part about this question. He asked me the question if he's going to be able to see the show. And the only way he's going to hear me answer the question is if he watches the show. So I I'm not going to email you back and say, hey, yeah, the show. Maybe I should email him back. Maybe I should. But the idea of this concept is to email me the question and then I answer it on the podcast. So Charvet, hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you get the answer to the question uh, that you already know the answer to because you're already listening to it. All right, New Zealand, welcome to What in the Duck. All right, thanks again. And uh, I think that one was quick enough. We'll do one more. We'll do one more, and then we're going to wrap it up for this introductory episode. To get every, you know, that's what this is. This is the introduction to what's going to happen. So like I said, anything could happen. On what in the duck? I think I'm going to go with this one. Uh, that is about Ink Master. And it's from... It's from my fan Kale Brand from Missouri. I like it when they say where they're from. That way you can like be like, yeah, I've been to Missouri before. Not sure if I'm going back. But I have been there. Chances are I'll pass through there. A lot of passing through Missouri. There's a lot of things on the other side of Missouri that you might want to go to. 
I'm not sure how many things inside Missouri. Let me think. What's in Missouri that's good? Branson. I've been to Branson. Uh, St. Louis is not a place I need to go back to. Been there a lot of times. Um, did win some money on the riverboat. Gambling. If you got gambling, at least that's one reason to go there. Anyway, Kale Brand. I'm assuming the name Kale is, is uh, I think it's spelled just like the, the vegetable. K-A-L-E, right? Kale. Uh, have Kale in my smoothie this morning. All right. Kale, you know, I, I, I want to say this real quick. I appreciate... You know, a lot of people emailing, saying a bunch of uh, kind words and, you know, whatever. But I'm, I may not read the entire email because I don't want to just, I mean, I'm just going to appreciate the nice things you say to me. And I don't have to read those parts. But anyway, Kale watches Ink Master. And in one of the seasons, contestant Kyle Dunbar... And Chris Nunez got into it. Uh, they got into it, um, comma, on camera. They got into it. I mean, it came a tussle. It almost came a tussle. It all, I mean, it, it got handsy, but it didn't actually become a full-on fight. But definitely, I would say got into it is the perfect term. Uh, Kale's always curious as if to that. He was always curious as if that was... As to if that was scripted, you know, hey, small letters on this computer. Um, wants to know if it was scripted. And what happened behind the scenes? We saw what we saw for the show, but I would love to hear the details and the in-between. How it started, how it unfolded, and the end results. Period. Don't hold back any details. I think those of you who have made it this far have figured out one thing. I put the details in. Probably more details than you want. Um, this was always my favorite drama slash event that happened on the show, and I don't know enough about it. Thanks for your time and hope to hear this on your podcast. So this person obviously knows they're going to be able to get the podcast on the internet. They saw the promo for the show on the internet, which is the only way you would have seen the show, the promo, was on the internet. As of yet, I have not uh, done any other promotion for the show other than the internet. And I probably, I don't, I, don't I don't envision the idea of like putting out flyers or putting up posters on, on uh, telephone poles or anything like that. Uh, so it is on the internet. And if you're not on the internet, then you're not, you're not here. Uh, your fan, Kale Brand from Missouri. All right, quick. For those of you who don't watch Ink Master, um, maybe this will entice you to dig out this episode. Um, but you won't really know what we're talking about. But for those lucky, many, many, many people out there that, you know, were fortunate enough to enjoy one of the greatest cinematic features of all time, Ink Master. Uh, it was a good show. We had a lot of fun filming it. And um, it was a game show, first and foremost. People need to understand that. It's not serious, real tattooing. 
No, it is serious, but it's not regular old real tattooing in a tattoo shop. This is a game show, competition, tattooing. That being said, there was a contestant on there named Kyle Dunbar, and uh, he was volatile to say the least, I guess you would say. Um, people get volatile on the show. It's, it's, it's very, uh, it's an intense, grueling, long-lasting battery after battery after battery just... You know, you just get, you just, you're in the trenches the whole time. So tensions are high. I'm talking shit, telling people they suck, laughing at them, blah, blah, blah. Because that's what my job is to tell people how bad their tattoos are and how good their tattoos are. But, you know, the idea is that you, if everybody did great, it wouldn't be that good of a show. Because it would be like, oh, next up is Jim. He did great. Everybody. Good job, Jim. Next up is Mark. Mark, you also did great. Good job, Mark. Uh, next up, Brian. Oh, Brian. You know what? You did great. Good job, Brian. Hey, Nancy, you did great. Great job. Thanks for watching the show. Everybody did great. Would not be a good show. But when everybody fucks up and sucks and goes crazy and loses their mind and barely makes it, it's intense. Who's going to suck the worst? Everybody wants to know. Somebody's going home. Could it be Jim? Could it be Mark? Could it be Ryan? Could it be Nancy? We don't know. Uh, so that's kind of whatever. Kyle Dunbar was intense. I said some things. Got heated. Nunez said a couple things. My demeanor, a little more happy-go-lucky, kind of laughing, kind of making fun, kind of whatever. Nunez just like, you suck. Kyle gets mad. Tussle ensues. Security runs in, breaks it up. Uh, Nunez says, fuck this, I'm going to quit. Kyle says, fuck this, I'm going to quit. Everybody's mad. I'm laughing. Dave's going, oh, no, what's going to happen? You know, and uh, it was not scripted. Shit just happens. The, the idea, I mean, I've been around a lot of filming of different things. Some movies, some TV shows, some reality shows. I have a lot of friends on different reality shows. And I will say that Ink Master is the least scripted thing of anything I've seen out there um, that I've personally been involved with. The key is you just put a bunch of people in a small room, in a small environment, put them through grueling tests, you video every second of it, and then you just take out the good parts and put it on TV for 42 minutes a week. Um, so basically, if I follow you around with a camera for three days with 20 cameras in every angle, I'm going to get some good shit. And so three days, they film you for one episode and they get 42 minutes of footage. Um, you know, and sometimes tensions get high and sometimes they boil over. And that's that's the part that makes it to the TV. That's the part that makes the edit. Um, so yeah, that what everybody wonders if it's scripted. Everybody's wonders, blah, 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 you know, and everybody wonders, are they really that upset? I was like, look, you're trapped in this spot. You know, everybody's under duress. Um, you got to compete. You got to perform. You got to do your best. And you're living in this house with people you don't know, and you got no TV, you got no radio, you got no phone, you got no internet, you got nothing. Um, and then you got a jackass like me laughing at you, and then you got an asshole like Nunez fucking telling you you suck. 
Sooner or later, it's a breaking point. And our and our good buddy Kyle Dunbar, um, he hit that breaking point. Um, but Kyle's a great tattooer. You know, he's a good tattooer, and he was way better than a lot of people that are on that show. Um, but he's not the only one that like felt the pressure. Everybody's on that show felt the pressure. He just happened to have that one moment that was good enough to be the spotlight of that episode. So I hope, I hope Kyle feels no hard feelings towards me and Nunez. We're all there. We were doing a job. He was playing a game, but you know, in the heat of the moment, you just kind of get wrapped up and you think it's a personal attack or whatever it is. And, um, People are like, why are you such an asshole? I was like, they did, that's my job. My job is to look at a tattoo and say what's wrong with it. You know, if it's really good, I'm going to say what's good with it. But in the end, there's these two tattoos. One of them's got to go home. Which one sucks the most? And uh, I feel like a little bit through it, here and throughout this uh, podcast experience, we're probably going to be reverting back to some Ink Master stories. I've got some Ink Master people coming on as guests. Um, but that's not what all this show is going to be about. But um, feel free to send out any questions that you might have, any topics you want to talk about. Um, just email them over. What in the duck podcast at gmail.com. And maybe we will be chatting about you on a future episode. Again, Kale Brand from Missouri, thank you so much. And. Um, I think that's going to be it for this this turn. Probably went longer than I thought. Um, but I want to thank um, people that make this possible. Production team, Blake, Court, and Mikey. Um, y'all, will be in the, y'all will be in the credits. Production team. And uh, thank you to our sponsors. We've got Dream Machines of Texas. We've got Label Solutions. We've got Shitla Clothing and Legacy Art Pigments. Um, feel free to follow the links um, and check them out, especially if you're a tattooer, get on that ink. And um, we'll post all the links about what you can do to see more on YouTube. And don't forget to do all those things that all those people on all those podcasts always tell you to do. Click, 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 do this, do that. You know, tell your friends, share, share, share. Um, hell, even put it in the metaverse. I mean, if someone else takes this podcast and throws it in the metaverse, then maybe I will be in the metaverse. I just won't even know it. But thanks again. Uh, Oliver Peck, What in the Duck. See y'all soon. Send all your questions over to what in the duck podcast at gmail.com. That's what in the duck podcast at gmail.com. Just type it in, write some dumb shit down, write a serious question down. You want to go deep, you want to go light, whatever you want. I might not answer it. But if I do and I talk about your question on the air, we are gonna get your uh your info, your name, your address. Um, so we can come over your house and throw a party. Actually, we're just going to put something in the mail and send it to you. What in the Duck podcast is proud to be sponsored by Label Solutions. www.labelsolutionsinc.com
I've been a customer of theirs for over a decade. They make the highest quality premium labels for all kinds of products. Food and beverage, personal care products, pet care products, beer and wine spirits, CBD products, automotive products, and more. They can make a label for almost anything. Multicolor, custom die cut, full wraparound labels, too many options to even tell you about. I use label solutions for all the stickers and labels for my stuff, like the Tiki Loco label on the coffee I'm drinking right now. They do have a minimum order of 1,000 labels, so they won't make you 20 labels for that soap you're making in your bathtub. But if you've got products to label, you need Label Solutions. Get started today at www.labelsolutionsinc.com.